Hello and welcome into another episode on the Lubumba Pastors Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson continues our series from the book of Acts. We start chapter 10 today, and the title of the lesson is Acts 10, Insights from Cornelius. Our text to begin is Acts chapter 10 from verse 1 to verse 8, which says this, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Acts 10 narrates the story of the conversion of the first all-Gentile audience. There are several important lessons given to us in these events. I want to begin today with important truths about salvation given to us mainly in this introduction about Cornelius. I have been asked many times about how God deals with people who've never heard the gospel. From a human perspective, we have a concern about God's fairness regarding a person's responsibility to believe the gospel and repent from sin. We ask, what about people born into Muslim families who never hear the true gospel? What about people who live in atheistic countries like China and North Korea, where religion is actually against the law? Will some people miss heaven because they never heard the word? And if so, is it fair for God to condemn them? This is a very important question that the Bible answers clearly, and I want, you to, ex- I want to exhort you to believe and trust God's answer. In Romans 10, Paul explains that a person cannot believe without someone preaching. They have to hear the word in order to believe the word. In Romans 10, verses 14 to 17, it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, Who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. If hearing is essential to believing, and not all have heard, how can God condemn them? But according to the Bible, is there such a person as has never had any relation, any revelation from God? Consider how Paul continues in Romans 10, verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Paul is quoting from Psalm 19, 
which describes the preaching Paul refers to like this. This is Psalm 19 from verse 1 to 4. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Is there a single person alive who does not have the witness of God's creation preaching to them? That's what this passage is talking about, whose proclamation of God's truth has gone out everywhere. In Romans chapter 1, Paul mentions we are all held accountable by this knowledge, the knowledge of creation, and our reaction to it. In Romans 1 verses 19 and 20, we read, For what can be known about God is plain to them. That means it's obvious to all people. Because God has shown it to them. That means God has shown it to all people. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So how does God hold everyone accountable to know truth and and the responsible for the knowledge of that truth? It says that we can all understand God's power and his nature from the things that we can perceive in the universe. And then the last phrase Paul says there is, so they are without excuse. You see from our original question that we think not every person has been given revelation from God and therefore can't be blamed for not repenting. But notice what God says. They are without excuse. Not only is the authority of God over us displayed in the created world, showing us we have an owner who must have made us for his own purpose, But also the character of God is displayed to us in the created world. His love, greatness, goodness, faithfulness, and power are all clearly recognizable in creation. You might ask me, how so? Well, does any person alive deserve rain on his garden so that his food will grow? No, he doesn't. But does God still give him rain? Yes. Does any person alive deserve to continue breathing God's oxygen? No, certainly not. And yet the Bible tells us that we are upheld by the word of his power. Does any person deserve blessings of family and friendship, having people that that care about them and, and dwell with them, give to them? No, and yet the creator gives us those things. There is no such thing as a person who wanted to find God, but God just didn't want to find them. No, Jesus tells us this truth in John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's God who gives us a desire to seek him. Acts 17 tells us that God has put every person in their specific circumstances to give them opportunity to seek him. Acts 17, verse 26 and 27 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God. That was the reason why he set those boundaries there, that they should seek 
God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. God has actually set things up so all people would seek him. Jesus also mentioned this about the effect of his death. In John 12, verse 32, we read, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. If God is the one who draws people to himself, it's obvious there's no such thing as a person genuinely seeking God, but just never receives opportunity to know the truth. What do you notice about Cornelius? The Bible describes him as a devout man who feared God greatly. There was evidence of his fear of God in the way he lived. He gave much charity to the poor and he prayed continuously. Was this enough to make him go to heaven, though? No, we see he still needed the gospel. And who met that need? God sent an angel to arrange the meeting. There are a couple other good examples from Acts that illustrate this truth. Paul finds some disciples of John the Baptist who had not yet heard the entire gospel. In Acts 19, from verse 1 to 6, we read this. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. We see God sending his messengers so these men could have the whole truth. We've already looked at the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch who had a similar experience to Cornelius. He believed in God and feared him, but he needed someone to explain the message. Did God fail to send these men a messenger? No, not at all. Here's another example of this from Acts. This is Acts chapter 16, verse 8 to 10. It says, So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. People have entered God's kingdom because God has sought them, not because people first sought him. Now, does this mean God gives the same revelation to all people? We know he gives some revelation to all people, but does he give the same revelation to all people? No, there are clearly some he gives even more to, going beyond what we see just in creation. And the Bible warns that the greater the revelation given to a person leads to greater condemnation for rejecting that revelation These principles are given to us clearly in Jesus' condemnation of the places he did most of his miracles in. In Luke chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, we read, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! 
For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Tyre and Sidon were wicked places that worshipped Moloch and practiced human sacrifice. But Jesus tells the Jews the judgment on them would be greater than on those idolatrous people. Why is that? Because the Jews listened to the preaching of the Son of God and witnessed his mighty works and still rejected him. Therefore, judgment would be worse for them than Tyre and Sidon, who did not receive that same revelation. It's clear then that not everyone receives the same revelation, and that everyone is judged according to the revelation given to them. God holds the whole world accountable based on creation alone. But it's also clear the judgment of those who grew up in Christian cultures and rejected Christ will be worse than those who were isolated away from the gospel. I will give you one last passage from Scripture that helps us remember God is always just and right in his judgment. This is the story of God meeting with Abraham and telling him he was about to destroy Sodom. We'll pick it up in Genesis chapter 18 from verse 23 to verse 33, which says, Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust in the ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. What do you see Abraham is afraid of? He was afraid that God would destroy the righteous along with the wicked. But was that true? Who was the only righteous person living in Sodom? It was Lot. And did God destroy Lot with the wicked? No, God's angels actually said this to Lot. In Genesis 19 verse 22 we read, Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. Notice the angels said they couldn't destroy Sodom until Lot was safe from the danger. We see that Abraham was content so long as there weren't even ten righteous men in the city. But God was not willing for even one righteous man to be swept away 
with the wicked. Will God do anything wrong in his judgment? No, friends. There's much we might struggle to understand, but scripture is clear. The judge of all the earth shall do what is perfect and right. God bless you all.